Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rose Tinted Black and White Television. I'm Guy Morgan. My co-host is Dave Newell. Um, Dave's been off mic recently because he's been watching some unscripted drama set in the Middle East, which achieved a climax, which is why he missed watching a live episode of The Black and White Saint. did ask Guy's um, permission, but let me promise I would use TP Encore to catch up with it, and I did. I believe it was quite an exciting match. I suppose, as, as an England fan, you may partially have wanted France to win, because then we would have the, the hierarchical thing of being able to say, ha ha ha, we see we got defeated by the, the, um, the world champions. Only the world champions could beat us. But, you know, many amazing things uh, in politics, uh, workers' rights, LGBTQ rights, um, back pocket um, payments, all of that aside, it, it eventually boiled down to, um, to the football. And we had a little wizard, um, Lionel, Messi and he seemed to have he seemed to have done it you know Argentina were two 0 up ten minutes to go France because of all their tummy bugs didn't seem to be you know operating at full capacity but then all of a sudden it's like John Melias was brought in to write the last ten minutes of the script to make it more exciting and sure enough that's that's what happened France equalised you know got two goals back in a, in, in the same number of minutes almost then he had a really thrilling extra time period in which again both teams scored. Uh, and then it went down to to penalties. And you've got to, you know, say sorry in a way to Kylian Mbappe. I know he won the World Cup winners medal the last time, uh, but to score a hat trick in a World Cup final and still not be on the winning team, you know, that's that's a big achievement. And obviously, the last World Cup uh, hat trick was indeed Sir Jeff. It was, and the the ball was definitely over the line. Yes, I think so. Yes, they proved it. So basically, what you were watching was Escape to Victory. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it was just oh, slam bang end to end stuff, and yeah, yeah, it was it was huge fun. Anyway, this isn't match of the day. This is rose tinted <laughs> black and white television. Um, this part is the so called showcase edition, and as we've pointed out, that there are a few things more dramatic than a bit of live improvised drama, which I think. Is it casualty? We're also going to. Uh, oh, they were doing an in, yeah, doing an improvised episode. I don't know. It'll it would just remind me of something from drama school. I don't know, but I'm sure they'd be able to do it. Probably stuck in the back of an ambulance for an hour. Mm. But it is Christmas time. We're recording this on uh, the winter solstice, so happy Saturnalia to everybody. Yeah. And you're particularly interested in the advent of the Christmas special episode. I uh, see what you did there. Um. Yes, yeah, it's it's what's really noticeable is that whilst TV comedy, even going back to, to the 60s and the 70s, they would have a episode which would be set at Christmas, and that would invariably mean that the show might be a little bit longer than its regular half hour. Um, you might even be able to get some big guest stars fitted into it. The idea was that, yeah, we can we can have this Christmas themed one. Whereas drama series, and, and particularly the ITC drama series, is all seem to be set in almost like a seasonless time. Now, the Saint, you would you would think because of all these 
glamorous locations that he goes. You would think that there is going to be no particular times of the year, whether he's going to like Ascot, you know, whether he may be going to the Cannes Film Festival or, or anything like that. But there's there's nothing necessarily seasonal um, about it. I know there's the episode where he is driving around a very wintry Stevenage. Stevenage, that's right. Very, very snow strewn. But the rest of the time, it's almost like this seasonless aspect. And if you look at a lot of those series, it's sometimes very, very hard to pick up on. Now, I know you pointed out, and knowing you're an Avengers fan, um, I only have to say too many Christmas trees for you to be able to fill us in of an Avengers Christmas-themed episode. That's right. Too many Christmas trees. It's on our annual watching list, though we have more now because I've been investigating Christmas episodes. But Too Many Christmas Trees is a black and white Steed and Mrs. Peel episode where Steed is getting nightmares. And they seem to be coming true. So he doesn't have a a nervous breakdown, as Mrs. Peel fears. She decides to take him away to a big, slightly spooky country house where she has been invited to stay by a publisher who is an expert on Dickens. And it's a huge house party. Okay, okay. And it is quite a creepy, uneasy tale and of course there's quite a lot of dressing up as dickensian characters and there is least one body discovered in the great expectations room with lots of cobwebs and such like that a whole variety of people who we will have seen in the saint and elsewhere and in other parts uh, of the avengers turning up a very sinister character a psychiatrist played by edwin richfield who sort of think, hmm. I'm going to say I don't trust him. I haven't seen this episode, and already I don't trust him. No, and he might be right, or not. Who can (gasps) say? If I remember rightly, the rather sinister but glamorous femme fatale is played by Jeanette Sturk. There's a whole set of things, and there's a lot of stuff with a bit of an Avengers design trope, where you've got all those kind of hardboard cut out Christmas trees in basically what is a blacked out soundstage and a very sinister Santa Claus figure. And there's lots of mirrors and and things like that and Christmas presents that Steed dreams and he's unwrapping. And there's a a lot of mind games. And it actually bears up. You wouldn't want to watch it more than once a year, but watching it once a year, you sort of think, yeah, I still really enjoy this. Mrs. Peel gets to dress up as Oliver Twist. Because I think that the Avengers were at their peak during the Black and White Mrs. Peel episodes in terms of everything, production and storyline. It it fits really well and it is definitely creepy. Now, I have a theory about Christmas specials and you mentioned comedy shows. Yes. Yeah. And you used to get things like Christmas Night with the Stars, didn't you? Yes. Yes. You would have. Um, a themed or or um, I think uh, talking pictures have been have been showing these um, carry on Christmas where you would get 
um, a good quantity of the Carry On film stars to appear in a a Christmas themed TV show featuring obviously Carry On type humour. Uh, I think they did a version of Scrooge, but for those drama series, few and far between. Um, Upstairs, downstairs, or as Stanley Baxter dubbed it in his TV show, Upstage, Downstage, did Christmas specials in 1972 and 1973. Um, and I guess the Edwardian setting would sort of lend itself to, to that. The Brothers did a Christmas-themed episode in 1976. Um, and All Creatures Great and Small, the, the, the original BBC version, not the current um, Channel 5 hit, uh, did one in 19, 1978. But other TV shows, you know, very popular TV shows, wouldn't necessarily have those aspects. I would imagine the soaps would, because the soaps obviously need to reflect a little bit of what is going on around them. But that is is sometimes the aspect of, of the ITC shows. There's almost like a timelessness to it. When you mentioned this, I kind of stopped to think about this. And I've talked about Christmas night with the stars or whatever it is. You, sometimes they weren't even full programs. They were just short sketches mm. where you got people to come and, uh, and do stuff. Now, a lot of those things with BBC and maybe ITV, they were things that were one-offs. They were probably never going to be sold anywhere else. They were never going to be repeated unless maybe on the next Christmas where you might put them out on Christmas Eve or, or something like that. So... They're as disposable as Christmas wrapping paper. Mm. And what you have with the ITC shows is they are seasonless for a reason. And one of them is that they could be going out at any time, anywhere in the world. Guess so, which is which is a really interesting idea. And uh, um, I suppose adding on to that would be the fact that if we don't have, you know, or we avoid um, a topicality, aspect being mentioned um, the cuban missile crisis um, for example or mr harold wilson becoming the prime minister uh, that again lends itself to a, a homogenized product around the world but if you remember the charitable countess mm. which felt very dickensian when he brings in the ragged urchins All the at the kids, end yeah. And I I stopped to think and then I looked it up and it was the Christmas episode of The Saint. <laughs> so it's obviously not Christmas. Mm. And that episode that you missed when you were in Italy doing oh, benevolent burglary. Which you have caught up on. Uh, please, sir, I've done my homework. That has a rather irascible character who's being very uncharitable to his daughter's boyfriend. Is it because um, he's a drummer? I think that's the reason, isn't it? He he just accuses him of being a drummer who makes noise. <laughs> He's not understanding music at all, because that's what drummers do. Yes, and obviously he's going to learn an awful lot about music because he hangs around with musicians, <laughs> to use that old cliche. And then he finally, having been taught his lesson by the saint, he comes round, and it is very Christmas Carol in the fact that he's a yes, he's mean millionaire. To redeem himself, he's given a chance to self-reflect, to change his ways, and all of this slips into, into place. And I suppose, in a way, the saint has played all three ghosts of Christmas. Indeed. I haven't been able to spot many other. There might be some more coming up. Looking at the upcoming 
series three don't really appear to offer much sense of anything seasonal but then of course it wouldn't you might just get it and once you've watched it and think oh yes that's appropriate for christmas because we've been into the whole marketing issues about syndication Mm. and the fact that if you've got something in syndication you've got 39 of these things because we're coming up to the end of the first production block of 39 with the end of the uk series two they're going to be on heavy rotation in various stations around the united states so it's inevitably if you do an overtly christmas episode it's going to appear on july the 4th or something it's going to be jarring almost as jarring as anything to do with thanksgiving i mean the americans obviously did thanksgiving and uh, christmas specials and i suspect that was something to do with collecting the ratings for the advertising yeah you'd have halloween specials as, as well they were always you know quite popular but perhaps less so you know for a easter special or or a labor day weekend both were very much fewer and far between yeah it is very disconcerting to watch something out of season yes but returning to british television too many christmas trees is the obvious thing and it i say it still works but you do have to watch it at christmas unfortunately now that we can watch anything we want that still exists any time we want we can always watch too many christmas trees at christmas but there's also other things may gray has two christmas episodes oh right okay mr rupert davis ladies and gentlemen a merry christmas there's the forget the exact title but there's the one where this girl thinks she sees father christmas she's laid up in bed with a broken leg thinks she sees father christmas breaking up in the floorboards in her bedroom why should that happen well may gray lives opposite and mrs may gray makes sure that he investigates the goings-on uh, and it turns out to be a reasonably heartwarming tale i would oh. say but there is also the slightly less heartwarming so I think it's called Seven Little Crosses, which takes place during uh, Christmas Day. And it's about a bad cop turned serial killer being hunted by a small child who is keeps breaking the alarms on um, the police, like our telephone boxes. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. But being French, they're actually much smaller on the inside than the outside. <laughs> and that's at least two May Grays. I'm trying to think of any others i don't think the champions did one i don't think no i don't think champions or randall and hopkirk diseased um nothing from them nothing from the baron nothing from like strange report uh department s or, or jason king and you would thought something like jason king which had um perhaps a greater element of fun would lend itself to doing a knockabout fun themed christmas special but as far as we're aware no no i'm i'm just about to look something up so bear with me to see if there are any christmas episodes of adam adamant lives uh. yeah i know <laughs> conspiracy of death the Saudi affair the survivors um, not all of these have managed to make it to DVD. There's one which didn't, well, like many of these things, that burned itself into my childhood memories. And 
if I concentrate really hard, I could probably generate a still. <laughs> season one, it would be safe to say that there are no Adam adamant Christmas episodes. Though, if anyone wants to write in and prove me wrong, mm. please do. Um, Maybe there's a whole raft of lost episodes of, of TV series of Christmas one. As you mentioned earlier, Maybe the idea of having a Christmas special was much more disposable. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be part of a big arc, so it'd just be one set at Christmas. <gasps> Maybe they were just lots. Just it lots. could be. I'm pretty sure that in the original Doctor Who series, they may well have done Christmas-related stuff. The BBC could, because it was disposable, it was generally studio-based, and they weren't going to flog it to anybody else. I never expected anyone to really want to see it again so i think that's probably the case i mean there's very few things that as we move in towards the new year there is in fact a new year's avengers ah right okay uh a studio kathy gale episode uh, starring leonard rossiter which is the precursor <laughs> to the superlative seven right okay and let me just have a have a look. Because if you type in Avengers, are you finding that more of a problem that you now have to to either prefix or suffix when you when you talk about the Avengers, so that people don't think it's the mighty superhero behemoth franchise? If you could talk about Chapeau a botte de queer, as it's um, known in France, then. It probably wouldn't be a problem because bowler hat and leather boots does what it says on the tin. Is that one of like the Hong Kong or, or, or Chinese titles? City gent <laughs> and fighting lady. It, it certainly ought to be. Oh, just there we go. Dead on course. Death dispatch. Traitor and Zebra. Death on the rocks. Through a great Dane. There's a lot of death. Essentially, that's the only one I can think of mm. that involves the the new year. It is picked up again as the superlative seven in a Mrs. Peel colour season, I think it is, by that famous recycler. Uh, Incidentally, I also watched the first episode of The Persuaders again. um, Oh, right. Okay, yes. And that was quite interesting because you've got loads of people um, who have been in previous Saints. Alex Scott makes an appearance. Imogen Hassel makes an appearance again. And you have to guess who wrote it. Is it either Albert Fennell, Robert S. Baker, or or Brian Clemens? My choice. It's Brian Clemens. One of the other possibilities could have been Harry W. Junkin. (laughs) But no, it's Brian Clemens. And it's fairly light on plot, but they do end up held prisoner in a cellar. Ah, oh, there you go, you see. And what's quite interesting, very few sometimes have like an origin episode as well. You know, it just starts. Saint just starts. We just have to accept everything that's going on. Because he's the famous Simon Templar. In The Persuaders, you, you've got the judge who has this idea of bringing them together. Yes, there's a lot of exposition looking through sheaths of photographs. You do notice that it's the 70s because it's cravat-tastic. There's a lot of good clothes in that. Don't forget, Rog designed a lot of those himself. And was proud enough to put his own signature on the (laughs) credits. Yes. He's got slightly longer hair. To be fair, 
Lord Brett Sinclair is not Simon Templar. So no. he's playing somebody slightly different. Whatever the off-camera shenanigans might have been, there is a really good rapport between him and Tony Curtis. When I went to see um, an afternoon with Roger Moore, because he was knocking on then, I mean, he couldn't do a whole evening, but when I you do an afternoon with Roger Moore, he said, yeah, he was just really amiable to um, to work with. Just really, you know, even though at the time he was viewed as the biggest star. Rog, yeah, he'd done The Saints, but he hadn't done that many big films. Uh, whereas Tony Curtis, he's a legitimate movie star. And so the, the idea of the double billing as, as such really works well. I don't think there's any of that fuss of, well, wait a minute, if my name is on the left-hand side of of the frame, but I want my picture on the right-hand side of the frame. There's none of that nonsense like there was with the Towering Inferno. I mean, they do split the screen. I mean, that's in the titles of the Persuaders. That's quite nice. Mm. And the other really good thing is the theme tune. going to go wrong are you no it slightly promises more jeopardy than i would say is delivered but um yeah i mean it's okay i think as we progress through the saints and we sort of kind of we discuss things later on moving from the 60s into the 70s we can probably discuss the change in mood which seems to be either in the world that's not driven by television but television certainly reflecting something going on mm. if only in terms of hairstyle and cravats yeah and a safari suit i got told um, off that time in paris when i did see a safari suit for sale it was on a mannequin outside of a shop in paris and myself and my friend zam we just thought it was really funny and we stopped and we, we just tried to have our picture taken with it but the shop owner came out and berated us in French, presumably. Yes, yeah. They do cling on to their traditions, the French. The fiery suit. Can't go wrong. I suppose in terms of, going back to Christmas, the, the studio-based shows, particularly comedy shows, always did Christmas specials, and then Christmas specials became much more of a thing. And as soaps became more and more mm -hmm. frequent, particularly with EastEnders, you would have everyone making merry, and then somebody dying of depression in a corner somewhere you know if you look at the look at the figures for viewing you know you've got things like only fools and horses christmas specials which kind of like run roughshod over uh, um, many many um, other series mrs brown's boys uh, and it's only recently that that more drama series have kind of cottoned on to that so casualty and and Holby city i suppose too Call the Midwife, always a you know, popular Christmas one. And in fact, one of the big lead dramas for ITV this Christmas is Doc Martin's Christmas special. Yeah, I mean, everyone ha seems to have to do that because they're after those Christmas viewing figures, and particularly the Boxing Day advertising, though I would say that that all has gone out of the window, particularly with the streaming services, and there's just so much competition that probably getting those tentpole Christmas specials 
has become even more important than it used to be. I mean, Christmas just became outrageously commercial. And of course, in the golden age of British television, which was 1956 to 1974, and if anyone wants to know what the three-day week was like in the 70s, just look out the window now. Yeah, it's it's not like we're going to live those days again. But at least we had the Morecambe and Wise. Yes, yeah. Um, and very refreshingly, uh, the IT, BBC Four, they've been doing their play nights and performance nights. Uh, and the play they chose uh, to broadcast the other night on Sunday uh, was the play What I Wrote, Sean Foley's um, loving tribute to uh, Morecambe and Wise, uh, which when originally directed in the West End by um, Kenneth Branagh, had uh, the surprise element of you never knew who was going to be the guest star, the big name guest star that they were going to take the mickey out of. Um, in the script, they're always talking about getting Sir Ian McKellen. Um, and it, I, I, I don't know whether Sir Ian McKellen ever did it, but on, on the performance that they filmed, um, the other night was Tom Hiddleston, uh, who uh, all I will say is he was very gay, very <laughs> gay indeed. Much more innocent days when we look back to the early 70s, which is, after all, our childhoods. Mm. So I think that's enough nostalgia and analysis. The ever-evolving TV industry has obviously gone completely Christmas crackers, even. Christmas, they've gone Christmas. <laughs> Crackers, uh, you know, when you have University Challenge Christmas specials, because they have those celebrity teams, don't they, uh, over the over the Christmas holiday. So everyone seems to be able to to get in and have a tinsely Christmas tree brought into the, the studio. I suppose the one Christmas treat that we, we all used to kind of like, but were a little bit scared of, was the M.R. James ghost stories at Christmas, which were... Yes, which are, which are now the Mark Gatiss ghost stories at Christmas. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think no, um, Inside Number Nine are doing a um, a scary kind of like crossover, I guess, ghost story at, um, at Christmas. Uh, but again, it was it, with with the, the M.R. James stories, they, they weren't necessarily Christmassy themed but they always became associated with 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 being broadcast at christmas yes i mean i'm, I'm thinking of they really own i forget when jonathan miller did uh his one with it was michael late 60s wasn't it yeah about 60 yeah whistle and i'll come to you isn't it yeah. i think is um and that is obviously very spooky and that started off a tradition they did do Charles Dickens' The Signalman, which oh, yeah, had, yeah. that was very well done and very creepy. So the whole Christmas ghost story thing, as far as I remember, seems to be a late 60s, 70s phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you have to remember is there are only three channels and television stopped around about half past 11 or midnight. Yes, yeah. And it, that usually used to be the, like, the last thing that they'd show to send you off to bed unnerved. To hide under the sheets so that you wouldn't see Santa coming yeah. down the chimney. <laughs> yes, what a clever long-term big game plan. Right, I think that probably wraps up our Christmas special present. 
this is totally unscripted, I should point So for any listeners who are out there at this time of year, Merry Christmas. And if you're going to be dipping into the podcast archive at some other unseasonable time, my apologies, but it's your own fault. Oh, people have fallen into our own trap, which we just described. Or you could save it until next Christmas. And Happy New Year. Goodwill to all men. This has been the Rose Tinted Black and White Television Christmas Showcase Special with David Newell lending his considerable expertise. And me, Guy Morgan, as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, his assistant. We'll see you in 2023. I thank you. Let your arms be as warm as the sun from up above. Bring me fun. Bring me sunshine. Bring